Hey, Skiff listeners. Hear about the latest trends in the travel industry with the brand USA Talks Travel Podcast. Right now, listen to special live from IPW interviews featuring U.S. Travel's Jeff Freeman. DMOs are at the heartbeat of U.S. Travel. Liz Bittner from Travel South. A lot of key gateway markets are back. L.A. Tourism's Adam Burke. We all win when we all partner together. Plus, brand USA's Stacey Melman and Jackie Ennis with international travel trends and Chris Thompson's farewell finale. I'm Mark Lapidus. Join us for brand USA Talks Travel on your favorite podcast platform. Brand USA Talks Travel. Thank you for listening to the Skift Podcast. Today's episode features a session from the recent Skift Global Forum, which took place in New York City in September of 2022. To learn more or join us at the next Skift event, visit live.skift.com. Enjoy the conversation. Please join us in welcoming CEO of Waze, Neha Parikh, in discussion with Skift Senior Research Analyst, Seth Borko. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, so we have the, CEO, the new CEO. Uh, New-ish. New-ish. A year and a half. <laughs> CEO of Waze. Does, does Waze need an introduction? I feel like everyone here in the room, like raise your hand. Everybody you, uses Waze, right? Raise, raise your hand if you use Waze. Do you have Waze and stuff? Yeah, there we go. Nice. Good to see. So people love, people love the product. Um, you know, tell us, about, tell us about yourself. You have a background in the travel industry, right? Yes, yes. I worked at a brand that some of you may have heard of and be from called Expedia Expedia (laughs) for 12 years. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, 12 years at Expedia hotels.com and Hotwire. So how did you, how did you make that move to to ways from the travel industry to the transportation industry, mobility industry? Yeah. Um, gosh, where to start? (laughs) Uh, so I spent 12 years at Expedia. Like I said, I started at hotels.com. I was, uh, one of the original people that worked on the loyalty program. Uh, for anyone who remembers the original name of the Hotels.com loyalty program, it was called, anyone know? There'll be a, there'll be a prize at the end. You know, come find us if you know. It was called Welcome Rewards. Uh, anyways, so yeah, so I spent 12 years there. Um, I think in the time that I worked at Expedia, I had 10 different jobs. Mm-hmm. I started as a product manager. Uh, I moved through different areas of marketing, strategy, general management. Um, The last role I had was uh, I was president of Hotwire. And so I, over the time, had 10 jobs, lived in five different cities, Chicago, London, San Francisco, Dallas. and it was a lot. It was amazing. Um, and great. Yeah, it was. Why, it was. why leave? Um, I think two things. One, you know, I, I absolutely loved Expedia, yeah. uh, but I knew that I wanted to try something else. You know, I didn't want it to be kind of the only place that I was going to spend a lot of time. So I knew I wanted to do something else. Um, and it was 2019, the summer of 2019, actually spring. Uh, and I was starting to think I wanted to do something different. Yes but I didn't know what, and I wasn't ready to jump into something straight on. Uh, and then something happened uh, in my personal life, which is that my, uh, my father-in-law passed away really unexpectedly. And it was, I guess, one of those moments that we'll all go through, unfortunately. And for, uh, for my husband and I, it was a moment of, you know, pausing and thinking about the decisions we were making in life. 
and whether we were being deliberate and whether we were really using our time in, in the way that we wanted to. And so about two weeks after my father-in-law passed, my husband came to me with this idea and he said, hey, if we're gonna retire someday for like 20 years, if we're lucky enough to do that, what if we just took a year now? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, what if we both quit our jobs for a year? And my first reaction was, that's insane. <laughs> you know, I've worked for the past decade to get to where I am, and you sort of have all of these insecurities, like, how can you just quit? What will people think? How will you get back on? Will they believe me? Um, so all of that yeah. happened. And, you know, I, I realized, though, really quickly that he was right. Like, I didn't want another decade to pass and to look up and wonder where time went. Uh, so we both quit our jobs. Uh, and I actually took a year and a half off, um, which was, yeah, it was, it was. He thought I would last three months. <laughs> um, and I learned something about myself, which is I only have two speeds. Uh, all the way off, like doing nothing, or like all the way on 150%. And I think when I shut off, like he was wondering if I would ever turn it back on again. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, a year and a half later and a lot of thinking about kind of what I wanted and, and I got to waste. Well, you clearly turn it back on. I mean, you've got this incredible position. It's a huge role. I mean, how, how big is Waze now? Uh, so Waze has 150, we just hit a record actually, 151 million monthly active users. Um, here's a fun stat. So next year, or sorry, this year collectively, People who drive with Waze will drive 600 billion, 600 billion kilometers. That's just to put it into perspective, because I had to somehow explain what that means. It's 15 million times around the planet Earth. Uh, so it's pretty big. It's about 700 people, if that's what you're really asking. No, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm into measuring companies by orbits around the Earth. I think that's a great way to measure. 15 million, should, then, would be the answer. You should do it. Um, and so, you know, you took that time off, you came back. What did you, I guess, how did that change your leadership style now that you're, you're in step into this new role? Oh, that's a great question. I'd love to say I've changed completely, but I think we are who we are. Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, part of taking that time off was being more deliberate. Yeah. About the choices that we were going to make and, and how we were going to spend our time. And so one of the things we did was move from California uh, we were living in San Francisco, and we moved here, actually, so we live in New York now. Um, my husband is from the Northeast, and so it's the first time in 22 years of us being together uh, that we've lived uh, near one of our family, here, his family. So it was important for us to be closer to family. I, you know, for me, it's just, I don't know. I think what I realized by, by taking the time off is that you don't have to live by anyone else's rules. Yeah. And I think that's really changed who, who I am as a person as well. You know, like you should optimize for what makes sense in your life. I, I, that's a great <laughs> lesson. I love that. Now, you came in and you st I started during the pandemic. I know a lot of like yes. entry level staff, it's hard to get up to speed during the pandemic. Yeah. As a CEO starting during the pandemic, I mean, what's that like? It was really hard. Uh, it was really hard. So not only was I starting new, um, a new role, you know, for me it was, a, it was a totally new company as well. So it wasn't like I was just taking another role at Expedia where people you know, knew who I was or had any trust that I could do the job, right? Um, I was a very random person, I think, joining to lead 
to lead ways. So it was hard. Um, I think I probably underestimated how how difficult it would be to build trust in a situation yeah. like that. Like, you know your own intentions, right? Like, you know what you intend, but conveying that in a series of 30-minute video calls is, is a really difficult thing to do. So, um, so I think it was, it was challenging, certainly uh, getting to travel uh, to visit. So this is, can I tell you a really quick funny story? Okay, of course. it's travel related. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> all right, I'll tell everybody. Um, so, so you all may know that Waze, it was uh, primarily in Israel, it was founded in Israel. And so a lot of our uh, engineering team is still based in Tel Aviv. Uh, and it was August of 2021, I started in June, and I, was, I just really wanted to get to Tel Aviv. I really wanted to spend time with, you know, with 300 engineers there. And uh, everything was still completely locked down. And Israel was one of the toughest places to get into. And uh, I was one of the first people actually to uh, visit Israel uh, as a business traveler after the lockdown. Uh, literally like the fifth person, I think. <laughs> I had to get permission from the Ministry of Health. But anyways, they were, it wasn't enough to show a vaccine card there. You actually had to go get a serology test. So I had to go straight from the airport to the hospital and have my blood taken. Uh, to prove that I had had, uh, you know, a vaccine, and it just became a joke that I literally gave blood to be with the team. So <laughs> I thought TSA was a pain. That sounds like a real yeah, loss. yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I guess just one more thing about your path, and then we're going to move on yeah. to ways. But you also, you came in, you replaced, you know, a male CEO. I'll, yeah. I'll say there's a lot of, of white men leading leading positions in, yeah. in travel and tech. Like, what was that like? Um, you know, I think uh, I think I'll I'll answer it more generally, which yeah. is that. As I've gotten more senior in my career, you know, I certainly look around the table, the virtual table, um, but the tables that I'm around often, and I'm the only one who looks or sounds like me. I probably look and sound different than most of the people you all have seen today. And I think, um, you know, it's funny. In some ways, people bring in diversity at companies because diversity means you have diverse points of views and that represents you know, your customers and your users and, and that's great. But I think the ironic thing about that is when you're the diverse person, it actually makes it a lot harder because everyone else has similar opinions and you come in with maybe a different point of view or a different background, right? And so I think you know, I'm constantly fighting to find my voice and, and to, even if I have something different to say, uh, that I would actually have the confidence to say it. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, I think um, because I'm on stage and I get to ask you guys for something, <laughs> I would say don't underestimate like the, the impact that you can have just by amplifying someone's voice. You know, if, if someone is saying something and maybe they have a different opinion or maybe they see things differently uh, or maybe they're scared to say that thing, you know, if you're in a position to amplify someone's voice and to help give them the confidence, please do that because it, it makes a difference. And I've had people do that throughout my career. I try to do I try to be very mindful of it myself. But um, yeah, it's 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 never it's never super easy, I would say. Sounds like it's very necessary. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
Hey, Skiff listeners. Hear about the latest trends in the travel industry with the brand USA Talks Travel Podcast. Right now, listen to special live from IPW interviews featuring U.S. Travel's Jeff Freeman. DMOs are at the heartbeat of U.S. Travel. Liz Bittner from Travel South. A lot of key gateway markets are back. L.A. Tourism's Adam Burke. We all win when we all partner together. Plus, brand USA's Stacey Melman and Jackie Ennis with international travel trends and Chris Thompson's farewell finale. I'm Mark Lapidus. Join us for brand USA Talks Travel on your favorite podcast platform. Brand USA Talks Travel. Let's talk about, about Waze itself. Yes. So what here's like the big question that whenever I tell people when I told people I was gonna speak with you, what's your relationship with Google? Like yeah. Waze is a Google company, is it not? What's, yeah. what's going on there? I knew you were gonna ask that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so Waze is, is owned by Google. Uh, you guys uh, may or may not know that. Uh, Waze is actually one of the most independently operated companies at Google, so that means that all the different parts of Waze, whether it's engineering or marketing or our sales team, um, all report into one organization and up to me, so it, it is fairly independent. Now, I know probably your other question is, but why does Google Maps have both? Why does Google have both, Google Maps and Waze? Yeah, I'm, right? I'm good, you keep, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll yeah, just interview go. myself, all right. Um, well, I mean, that's the exact question I asked when I was interviewing at Waze too, right? Which is like, why, why does Google have Google Maps and Waze? And so, of course, I was thinking about this before I came on, and I think the best way I can answer that to this room of people who work in travel is why companies own multiple travel brands, right? Yeah. So whether it's Expedia or Booking.com, they own different brands because they serve different use cases. Like for me, if I want to book a flight, I might go to Expedia, but if I want to book a hotel, I might go to Hotels.com or Hotwire because I worked there for 10 years. Um, but, uh, but like, there's different use cases, right? And so what we found between Google Maps and Waze is that people use us in different ways. Yeah. So you might use Google Maps as, you know, your default navigation app, and you might open Waze if you're stuck in traffic or if, they're, um, if you need to get, if, if you're not getting to where you need to be quickly enough or if you're on a road trip, right? So uh, we think it's really complimentary. And also, you know, Google Maps is really about technology and Waze is really about community. Well, so actually that's what I was going to ask you next is like Waze has really unique data, right? Yeah. That's part of the, your story and that's all driven by your community. Right. So how do you, we were backstage. Yeah. You were stopped. People are so excited. Oh my God, I love Waze. Like, how do you build that kind of enthusiasm for a map, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a great question. So I always joke because, you know, Waze is a navigation app. Why should anybody feel emotional about a navigation app? Yet people do, including me. Like, that's why I was really excited to join Waze. And so, look, I think, um, I think the best way I can answer that, I was talking to to somebody at Waze a few weeks ago. And she said something that really just got imprinted in my mind. And she said, you know, the thing with Waze is, when I open Waze, I know I'm not alone. <laughs> when I open Waze, I know I'm not alone. And it was like this very emotional thing that she said. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, I know there's a whole community of people who have been inputting information who I am driving with who want to help me, who I want to help. And I think whether you know it or not, that has a lot to do with why people have such an emotional reaction about Waze. It's not just a one-way app that uses technology. It is a two-way ecosystem where people actually contribute to help each other. 
and you put it like that, it's kind of like when we travel and it's all about making those two-way connections. Yeah. Say it, nice to tell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's your vision? Like you're, you're in this new, not new role. New-ish. New-ish, 18 months. You're here. What's, what's your vision for the future of Waze? Like how are you going to drive this business forward? Yeah, spending a lot of time thinking about that. Um, you know, I think to answer that, I first, um, can I talk about the community? Please. Okay. So here's something I, I didn't really, I, so by the way, I'm an avid Waze user. I actually wrote one of my grad school essays in 2008 about Waze, which serendipitous and also weird, <laughs> um, but, but true. You get down to the universe, you get back. You know? Yeah, 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 true, true fact, true fact. Um, so, uh, so, so I think we all know, or most of you that use Waze probably know that, you know, you, you input information, like is there a crash ahead or police or, or whatever, and that helps people, right? So drivers input information. We also have this incredible volunteer community. So we have 100,000 volunteers around the world who have full-time jobs. They are doctors, engineers, waitresses, you know, they have full-time jobs. And they volunteer with Waze. They edit our maps. There are beta testers. There are localizers. They actually work on our city partnerships. And so there's this magic behind Waze that I think most people don't even know about, which is community, yeah. right? And so I have to say, I have to talk about that before I can talk about the future. Because right. I think like, you know, when I think about the, the magic of Waze, it is the intersection of community and technology. That is what makes Waze magical. Um, we're not, we don't have the most engineers to work on the, the best technology in the world for navigation. Like we just don't. But what we have is this dedicated, insanely passionate group of users and volunteers who wanna help their communities. Um, I was actually, so I was in Tel Aviv last week. Uh, and we were having a meetup of our most, um, senior volunteers, so the people who have been with us the longest who contribute the most. So it was 100 people from around the world. It was amazing. And of course, like you all might be wondering, I had to ask one of them, why do you do it? Like, why do you spend so much time volunteering for this app? Um, and varied answers, right? But, but one of the most consistent things I heard, or, or the one thing that stuck out on my head was somebody said, you know, when you volunteer for Waze or when you input information for Waze, it is the best act of random kindness, the biggest act of random yeah. kindness. Because you know, like you input like a road is closed and it may not seem like a big deal, but you're gonna impact like thousands of people who are on the road in your community who may not have known that, right? And so the impact that you can make, you can make is huge. So kind of paying it forward. Totally paying it forward. Well, so speaking of impact, right? Yeah. Not just communities, but there's an impact you can have on cities yes. and on travelers. I know you've been doing a lot of like city partnerships. Yeah. Tell us like tell us about how Waze is going to work with cities for the future of mobility. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we have thousands of partnerships with cities, and what I mean by that is like the municipalities, like the transportation uh, departments of New York City, Philadelphia, Bogota, Kuala Lumpur, London, uh, and we work with them for a number of different a number of different reasons. So one is. You know, they give us information. Who knows best about what's happening on the roads in terms of construction and events than the city themselves? So they give us information. Actually, they feed it into our, yeah, you're like, maybe they don't maybe know. Maybe they don't. I know. Um, I, yeah, if we had more time, I could talk about that too. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so they give us the information. They actually feed it in via our community. Our volunteers are actually the ones that take, often take the information and make sure it gets on our map. So, so they give us information. We give them um, aggregate information, right? So we know, for example, 
what the most dangerous intersection is in the Upper West Side every day, because we have, we have coverage of 70% of all crashes that happen in the United States <laughs> in real time. And I don't know, I'm asking my team to try to validate this, but I believe it's the, the largest uh, central repository of, of crash information. I never thought, of, that, that thought never occurred. Yeah. You must have. It's the 70%, right? And, and, and uh, can I just have a sidebar just for one second? Okay, here's what's, what's really interesting. We did a study with UCLA two years ago, okay? And we found, they found that on average, Waze knows when an accident happens five to 10 minutes before emergency services, five to 10 minutes. And you know, you guys know why if you use Waze, you're driving, you see a crash happen right in front of you and you put it in, done, we know it, right? Imagine the time it takes for someone to pull over, call 911, convey the information for an ambulance to get called and deployed, right? Now here's the interesting part, and I'm gonna answer your question, I promise, but here's the interesting part. For every one minute that emergency services can get to a crash site sooner, we can save 10,000 lives a year. One minute, one life-saving minute. And when you put together the fact that we know when crashes happen in real time, and we have these partnerships with the cities, you can imagine something uh, really simple, which is connecting the data that we have to cities to deploy emergency services, right? And what's really interesting is one of our volunteer communities in Lisbon uh, in Portugal organically realized this and started doing it themselves. So they actually built uh, a real-time connection between Waze data and emergency deployment services in Lisbon, and they've reduced the time it takes for ambulances to get to crash sites by eight minutes. Wow, that's a lot of eight minutes. Saved, eight right? minutes, right? And so, yeah, and you talk, and so you're back to your question, like, what do I think we can do with cities? I think we can change the way cities move. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we can do pretty easily is save lives. Yeah. Why do you think that like some of the mobility stuff, the way cities moves, is still so disconnected from the rest of the travel industry, like airlines and, and hotels and stuff? Is there a way that ways can bring you think we can bring them together or how do you think it's disconnected? I, I feel like there's not a lot of connectivity between some of the like online travel sites. Like once you yeah. get off the plane, I feel like it's a whole different user experience to yeah. get around locally. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point actually. Maybe we can do something about that. <laughs> well, look, you have a, where you do have a lot is, is like road trips, yes. right? You have a lot of info on that. Yeah. What do you see when you look at that kind of stuff? Um, well, I think what we're seeing, especially, you know, it was probably the same thing all of you were seeing, which is that people are anxious to get back out yeah. and do things and live their lives, right? So we're seeing, um, not only we're we seeing more people drive, like on the roads than ever before, what's interesting is where they're going is different. So we're seeing a huge increase in people going to leisure destinations, restaurants, hotels, movie theaters. People want to live their life again. Mm -hmm. And before COVID, Waze was primarily an app for commuting, going to and from work. Now we're primarily an app for leisure mm -hmm. and for errands. And so, you know, I think, uh, I, I know Barry Diller was on earlier. I'd be remiss if I didn't. Uh, use Barry's favorite favorite phrase, which is where there's life, there's travel. Yeah. Um, and I think we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the same thing at Waze. Let's ask, let's see what Barry Diller would say. Like, where's the revenue? How do we make money from that? <laughs> oh man, I just opened myself up to that, didn't I? Uh, okay, how does Waze make money? Uh, well, how do you make money from people traveling to leisure destinations and of that? Well, I mean, I'll talk generally. So, so, so primarily today, Waze makes money through ads. 
and we show people ads based off of where they are, like mm -hmm. driving, right? It can be for a coffee shop, for a restaurant, for a hotel. Um, and, and actually, of course, uh, our partners who advertise with us, they want to know if their ads are actually impactful. Um, great question, obviously. And what we found is the cost for an advertiser to uh, get someone to navigate to their establishment through Waze is much lower than, than any anywhere else. And it makes sense, right? Like you're already in a car, you're already driving, like your intent is very high, you're going somewhere. Uh, so us being able to influence you to stop is, is pretty high. You want me to talk about the, the anybody yeah, here from booking.com? <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so well, well, I was just telling Seth backstage that uh, we recently did, um, so we were working with booking.com to advertise on Waze. So booking.com advertising on Waze. What was, so, what was interesting to me, though, in general, is that you, yes. you sell hotels on Waze. Well, we don't sell hotels. We were advertising a link off to go to Booking.com, yes. just to be really clear. So it, it's more of a brand play and a click off, right? But so my team came to me, and they said, the, the, the sales team at Waze, and they said, hey, you know, you came from the online travel industry, so tell us, what do you think? Do you think that this will be compelling for a company like Booking.com, having an ad on Waze? And my first reaction was, ooh. I don't know. Like, I think, I think, you know, online travel agencies are very data-driven, right? You want to know that the money that you're spending in marketing actually results in something. And I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to measure it. Because unlike, like, let's say a coffee shop like Starbucks, we can tell Starbucks how many people we drove to their stores. Um, with Booking.com, you'd have to actually click while you're driving, right? So it's different than navigating to a Starbucks. That is, you can imagine that behavior, right? But now we're asking people, stop and click on an ad in a navigation app and then book a hotel. So I was skeptical that this would work. Um, but I said, okay, like, hey, if they're willing to do a test, that's amazing, let's do the test. Uh, and it was actually great. We saw um, th they were very happy with the results. I have to say I was wrong. Uh, people did click on it and people did book and I guess it goes with the context, right? Road trips. Yeah, road trips and, and I think it's just great. It's a great way to just have new ways of thinking about how to, yeah. how to advertise travel. Yeah. So I think this is gotta be our, our last question but I'm, I'm just wondering, you have passed the travel industry, you're now mobility, it's a great through line in your career. What, what, what lessons do you think are coming about the future of travel and transportation? Like, what's the big, the big thing in your mind? Oh my gosh, what's the big thing about the future of travel and transportation? I mean... Or what are you most excited about? Yeah, I, no, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times people talk about technology, right? And this like really exciting future that technology is gonna bring, whether in mobility that's autonomous cars or, you know, there's, there's so many like big lofty ambitious things. And I think it's all going to be amazing. I do, I do. But one thing I've learned at Waze is that there is a power between when you, when you combine people and technology. Yeah. And I think that's something that we will have to keep in mind for the future. I don't have an exact way that think, that comes to life. I think it's an incredible answer. Yeah. I think it's oh, good. Well, good answer. answer. I'm happy. I wasn't sure. No, I actually wasn't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing yeah. people, people and tech together feels to me like it's very much at the essence of, of modern travel and, yeah. and everything. So. It, at the end of the day, especially for people on travel, it is all about people. Perfect. So. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.